In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, our gospel text this morning, I think, will make the most sense if we kind of remember the whole story of St. Peter, where he comes from and who he is. So you'll remember, according to the gospel of Luke, that Jesus first calls Peter to be his disciple on a fishing boat. Right? Peter obeys Jesus. He puts out his nets after a night of poor fishing and receives a miraculous catch. And at that point, Peter falls down at Jesus' feet, realizing that Jesus is more than just a teacher, more than just an interesting man, but Jesus has to be sent from God. And Jesus embraces Peter in that moment, and he gives him a new job and a new identity. He says to him, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. And Peter leaves his fishing boat, he leaves his nets, he walks away from the lake, and he follows Jesus. He is no longer meant to be fishing on that lake, but he's meant to be out in the world as one of Christ's apostles, one of his messengers. Peter, then, in all of his brashness and his boldness, he embraces this role throughout the gospel. He's the first one in the gospel of, Mar in the gospel of Mark to correctly answer the question, Jesus asked of him, who do you say that I am? Peter is the one who says on the night of the Last Supper, Lord, don't just wash my feet, but wash my whole body. He's the one who says to Christ before he is arrested, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Peter is the one who takes out a sword and tries to fight for Christ when the temple leaders come to arrest him. In the Gospels, we see that Peter is not always the most intellectual. He's not always the most thoughtful character. He's impulsive. But who could ever doubt his courage and his will to follow Christ throughout the Gospels? Until, of course, he denies Jesus three times when all seems lost. In denying that he knows Jesus, it seems that it's not so much that Peter is betraying Christ but Peter is turning his back on the call that Christ gave to him. When all seemed hopeless, when the world questioned what Jesus had been about, when Christ was on the cross and it seemed like Jesus was a failure, that was Peter's opportunity to be a true fisher of men. That was his opportunity to be a true messenger, to tell everyone who Jesus really was. But he turns his back on that call. And three times he refuses to seize that opportunity to be Christ's messenger to the world. And so in that denial, Peter denied what it was to be an apostle. And it seems that ministry was now impossible for Peter. He was a failure. He could not be the fisher of men that Christ had called him to be. And so now Peter returns back to his old work, back to the lake, back to the boat, back to pulling in empty nets. And the story of John 21, then, is not exactly a story of forgiveness. In fact, in last week's Gospel in John 20, Jesus comes to the disciples and he says to them, peace, and he gives them the Holy Spirit. And so, spiritually speaking, we know that Peter is forgiven, as are all the disciples who were gathered together in that locked-up room. On a spiritual level, Peter's relationship with the Lord has been restored by this point. In fact, we see how eager Peter is as he jumps into the water 
swims ashore to be with Christ. He doesn't want to wait for the boats to be rowed back to the shore. He wants to get there as soon as possible. He is ready once again to embrace the Lord. But the question in our story is if Peter understands that he still has a calling. That's what this encounter is about. Is there a place once again for Peter? So we remember that over the charcoal fire, as Peter warms his hands, he denies knowing Christ three times before the rooster crows. And now again, he stands with Jesus over a charcoal fire, this one of breakfast. And Jesus offers Peter three opportunities to return to his role as an apostle. And Peter confesses his love for Christ three times. And three times Jesus says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And it's confirmed for Peter that not only is he forgiven, but once again he has a place in the kingdom. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than these? And that question, the Greek is unclear what these is referring to. But it seems very likely to me that Jesus is pointing back to the boats, to the nets, to that catch of fish. Is Peter ready again, once again, to leave all of that and to follow Christ, just as he did in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke when Christ first calls him? Is Peter ready to follow Christ? And indeed he is. He is now not only a fisher of men, not only a messenger, but he's made a shepherd of the Lord's people. He's not only going to tell people about Christ, he's going to feed their souls with the very words of Christ. And so we've heard the story of Peter's calling as it unfolds through the Gospels, but we have to ask, what about the story of your calling? If you're a baptized Christian, God has called you to be someone. And let's be clear, God hasn't called you because you are a remarkably good person. I'm sure you probably are, but that has no bearing on your calling. Like Peter, God has called you not because of one particular gift or another that you have, not because you're the most intellectual, not because you're the most moral, but God has called you because in Jesus Christ, he loves you. And because of who you are in Christ, you have that calling, you have that identity. When we baptize someone in our service, we say, so-and-so called by the Holy Spirit, trusting in the grace and love of God, do you desire to be baptized? All the baptized Christians are called into something. That is to say, all of us have identities in which God wants us to take action. And so in a general way, we confess that this calling looks like living among God's faithful people, hearing God's word, sharing in the Lord's Supper, proclaiming Christ through the world, serving all people, and so on. But we all have specific callings in our life as well. Where do we share the word of God? Where do we serve others? Where do we live among God's faithful people? And so we do these things as parents, as siblings, as children, as neighbors. We do them at our jobs. We do them at our leisure. And so wherever we go, whatever we do, we carry with us a holy calling to be a person of God. But like Peter, are there areas in your calling where you are uncertain? Are there areas where you need forgiveness and healing? 
Do you need a reminder of the goodness of your calling, even though you are a sinner, or maybe you're a failure? I think we often feel this, especially as spouses, as husbands or wives. We feel this as parents sometimes. Maybe we feel this as children. Because how easy it is to let someone down in those callings. Right? How easy it is to deny that the life of being a mother or a father, a husband or a wife, a brother or a sister is not a holy one. And to walk away feeling like we cannot live out these callings the way God wants us to do. In these hard vocations, these hard callings, we so often need healing. We so often need restoration. We so often need a reminder that what we're doing is good. And God has indeed blessed our work. Well, this healing, this strengthening, this restoration of our identity comes through Christ. It's a return to him. Just as Peter returns to Christ and he receives the restoration of who he truly is. We come to Christ as people who are broken, as tired, weary, and we're anxious. And Christ asks us, do you love us more than these? And this is where the understanding of our identities and healing is ever strengthened. In knowing that Christ is yet greater than anything that weighs us down. Christ is greater than our past sins. He's greater than all the disappointments in our life. He's greater than all of our inadequacies. And the things that should be impossible in this world are possible because Christ is risen. Peter, who denied knowing Christ three times, is made a shepherd over the whole church. How implausible is that? How impossible? But the risen Christ makes it possible. He offers new creation and new opportunity. And what should be impossible in your life, whatever that might be, is made possible in Christ. There is forgiveness for you. Where maybe you think you're unforgivable, there is forgiveness in the risen Christ. There is a restoration where you have made a mess of things in your life. There is hope when your life might seem hopeless and lost. There is life because there is an empty tomb. There is a new morning beyond the darkest night of our souls. The impossible is made possible because Jesus Christ lives. Amen.